Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. All right. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're on your smart speaker. Say play ESPN. You can download the podcast. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can play along with us and download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app presented by WebEx to fill out your brackets. Today is your last day to fill out your men's brackets. It's free and easy. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Key. What up? What up? What up? What's up is uh, that we're going to get back to the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, in about five minutes. But quarterback Tyrod Taylor, who played last season with the Houston Texans, is signing a two-year, $17 million deal with the New York Giants, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Giants were hurt a lot by bad like they really didn't have a backup quarterback. But Tyrod Taylor, Key, it's one of those situations, like, and I was thinking about this with Mitch Trubisky, too. You bring in a quarterback to compete with your starter looking for his next contract, that's one thing, I get it. But they're bringing in guys who could easily win the job here. So, like, you know, Mitch Trubisky and, and Daniel Jones would have been an interesting competition. So is Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones. I, I've said consistently the last couple of days in a parallel universe, universe, Tyrod Taylor's with the team who drafted him on his second contract. He's been to the playoffs three or four times. He's, he's made a run once. Like, I think he's pretty good. Do you think he's going to take Daniel Jones's job? I think he's pretty good, too, when, when he's healthy and he's actually on the field. It gives them an opportunity to do the things that they want to do, run the offense. If you think about it, he took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs, even though they tried to give Nathan Peterman the job after throwing five interceptions against the Chargers. Um, it, it, he may not be the starter week one, but around week six, I look for him to take over if Daniel Jones is not playing well. That that That's kind of what he's there for, right? He's there to, to, to stand over the shoulders and push him, make him nervous, to the point that he loses the job. Look, I, I like Tyra Teller. I think he brings mobility to the offense. I mean, in three seasons, he served as a starter in his career. He provided more than 400 yards of rushing. I, and, and, Key, just to add to your point, you know, we always talk about the, the mental sensitivity of quarterbacks when you feel somebody else breathing on your back and, and, and how that can make you, you know, maybe be more tight or maybe for some people – it makes them elevate their level of play. I, I, it feels to me like Daniel Jones is trending in the right direction. It does, cutting down the turnovers. I think we still want to see more. But I, I, I do wonder, like, you know, how long will it be? Like, how bad does this play need to be in order for a guy like Tyrod Taylor to come in? Because a lot, considering Brian Dable and what he's been able to achieve with Josh Allen, there, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to be a Josh Allen, but there are similarities with speed, with arm talent, things of that sort, where you're like, okay, I can see that. How long do you give that to come to fruition is going to be up to that manager. I've got to tell you, I'm so angry as a Giants fan. Let me tell you why. I know Gettleman's gone. Like, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Don't <laughs> kick a guy when he, you know. You're like, always I get it. angry as a Giants but, but fan. I, but let me tell you why, man. When you have the sixth overall pick in the draft, if you're my GM and the guy you take doesn't make the Hall of Fame, you're fired. Like, you have the sixth overall pick in the draft. You reach for a, I'm sorry, Jay, Duke quarterback? 
And, and and by the way, you not only reach for him, but like, don't try to invent a great quarterback key. If he's not in this draft, don't take a quarterback. Wait till the next draft. Where, by the way, Justin Herbert was available, as it turns out, right? Like, the, the fact that the Giants reached at six for a guy who's basically a, you know, a, a replacement level kind of player is so – you want to know why the Giants are in the position they're in? They're offensive line. They're this and that. No. They get the draft wrong all, or they got it wrong all the time. Hopefully, this regime will be better because Daniel Jones at six was an outrage then, and it's an outrage today. So Gi- Giants fans should be outraged at that pick. Now, Daniel so Jones you, in the second like, round, I so get it. So you feel it. like he has no chance? Like, I it, think he has a chance. No, I think Jan- Daniel Jones, I wouldn't write off his chance to be a pretty good quarterback for a while. That's not what I'm looking for at the sixth pick. You know, sixth overall pick, I'm not looking for a pretty good quarterback for a while. Maybe he could do something. If, if a great quarterback isn't there and you are picking six, go take a great something else. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. Can't believe it. They took, they took a running back second overall, and they reached for this guy, Key. There's no way around that. I'm going to give you two more minutes. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, like, Dave Gettleman is long gone. That's man. what I'm saying. Long gone, Max. Yeah, we, but we're we living gotta, with his mistakes. We got to – well, I don't know. We don't know if they're mistakes yet. We don't know that yet, right? We just know that they were struggles. And if you think about it, they really haven't helped this kid from an offensive line standpoint. Yes, they went out and got a few toys here and there. Evan Ingram is no longer on the roster. He just took some money in free agency to go to Jacksonville. So when you look at where this team and this makeup of this team could potentially be, Daniel Jones may be the answer. He may be the answer, and if he turns out to be the answer, Max, you'll be uh, surely – I'm sure you'll be trending. What's the question? Who has an okay quarterback? You gonna be the answer to that? <laughs> he might be the an- he might be the answer to a long term solution problem that the Giants potentially could have, which is a quarterback. Bottom line is this: you're taking sixth overall. One of two things, preferably both, must happen. Or if I'm the owner, you're fired. Okay. Number one, be a perennial Pro Bowler. Number two, win a Super Bowl at some point. If neither one of those things happen, let me tell you something: ain't neither one of those things happening. Get out of here at six. All right, listen. I gave you too many minutes. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, Nick Friedel is with us now. And uh, I'm too upset to continue to talk about Daniel Jones and the mistakes of the Gettleman regime. I do think this regime is promising so far. It's such a New York thing. Like, I'm so angry about things that happened years ago. Because it's still affecting my team. But at least, yeah, but give the benefit of the doubt to this new management that they're trying to, of course, correct that. 100%. I I think this new regime so far is very promising. I'm simply reacting to the fact that Giants fans, it's okay to still be angry about that. It's okay to still. They just brought in Tyrod Taylor, and we're wondering if our number six overall pick from four years ago can even keep his job. I mean, come on. All right, Nick Friedel, ESPN, Nets reporter is about to join us, but he deserves the whole thing. So I want to play the whole, I want to play the whole pre-production to give him his proper introduction. Inbound to Doncic, he's on that left side as he crosses the front court with five. Up to the top with three. Doncic with two, gives it up to Dinwiddie for three in the win, and he buries it! The former net. They double Luka. Again, Luka found me, that's, that's, that's just Luka making a play more so than me doing anything special. How's that, Nick Friedel? Whole pre-production for you. ESPN Nets reporter joins giving the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. What's going on, Nick? Guys, I missed you. How are we doing? Good. That's What's happening? Tony Bennett of this business. Best there pipes in the business. There it is. How close is Ben Simmons to coming back? Uh, nobody knows, knows right now. 
Nobody Bing bang. knows. Nobody knows. And, and it is a lot more serious than they thought. Because mm. when you go back to that last week of February, Steve Nash is sitting there telling us, hey, he's got a little back soreness, but we don't think it's anything bad. And we kept asking <laughs> what the issue is. Is he able to practice? What's he able to do in practice? Nothing. And, guys, I was in there last night, and when Nash said, yeah, Simmons had an epidural, everybody was looking around that room Epidural? Going, what's he, pregnant? Like, what? that epidural like, is serious. That is, that is not good, as we know. So, they're hoping that after a few days he can start moving around again. But the answer as to when we see Ben Simmons on the floor again, nobody in that organization has a good read on it at the moment. Wow. You know, I, I'm – the, the thing is, you know, I'm kind of relieved that not not about an injury, so to speak, but relieved that there was something other than the Brooklyn Nets didn't want to play him against the 76ers. I'm kind of relieved that they didn't take that approach and it was actually, you know, a real injury opposed to some fake stuff because a lot of people felt that the Nets were doing – not only Ben Simmons a disservice, but basketball a disservice because he did not play in the 76ers game when he went back to Philadelphia. Come to find out now, it's a lot more serious than what people actually see, thought. But see, Key, this makes me so worried about my net squad because I've seen what Kyrie can do, and he is special. And I keep doubling and tripling down on this until I hope people understand. Yo, the Toronto Raptors are no team to mess around with, yo. I mean, Nick Nurse is a genius of a coach. Not to mention the Boston Celtics. I'm just talking about initial pairings, right? So, I mean, now you have the Raptors and the Cavs that are both tied for like sixth or seventh with the Brooklyn Nets right there to a degree. And I have to explain again, Kyrie Irving will not be allowed to play in Toronto, and he's not allowed to play in Brooklyn. And these dudes between Scotty Barnes, Precious Ochoa, uh, Pascal Siakam, like they have si- OG Anobi, they have size, they have length. Like if, they're even one of the top teams defensively. And what I saw the Mavs do last night, Nick, oh, okay, Kevin Durant, we're going to throw double team blitzes at you all the time. Okay, Bruce Brown. Okay, other guys, Goran Dragic, you guys beat us. And that could be a problem for them when they get into the play-in tournament. It could be a big problem, although the Nets are hoping that KD can still – take over at times, Jay, but we've seen it now a couple different times, and we saw it certainly, as you mentioned last night. They threw everybody in the world at Kevin. Kevin said that's the first time from the jump he can remember ever being guarded like that. It reminds me of what we used to see with Steph uh, the last few years at times. Everybody go at him, force somebody else to beat you. But let's go back in time, guys, a week ago. A week ago it was – Simmons is, is going to make his way back, and everybody was feeling pretty good about that. And, well, we feel like the mayor is finally going to pull this Vax mandate back, and Kyrie's going to be able to play in home games. And a week later now, it's kind of like nobody knows when Simmons is coming back, and you guys have been talking about it all week with what's going on in the city and, and how it relates to baseball, and, and are these guys going to be able to play? It doesn't sound like there's a lot of momentum in the moment that that's going to change, which means that it's going to be KD and a bunch of other guys who are going to have to step up with them. But, Jay, the point is well taken. If you go into Toronto and you lose to those guys, well, then anything can happen in that playing game. But 
the Nets are still banking on, even if they don't have Kyrie or Simmons, they still have Kevin, and he can get them through one game but by, by the, the way, people are worried, worried about like thinking, oh, but eventually the mayor will cave on vaccine mandates. Uh, I hate to say this because it was so good to be in a restaurant the other day. No one was wearing masks. Everyone felt good. Infections are spiking in Europe, and people are worried about that coming here and that there's going to be a resurgence. Knock wood, that doesn't happen enough already. But I don't see the mandate in New York going any going away anywhere anytime soon, yeah. and I don't see Kyrie getting vaxxed anytime that, soon that will not happen right so <laughs> that is not so happen. jay you're right and kd with a crime partner impossible what are you going to do about that dude but without a crime partner he's by himself he can't do it by himself i was saying we start thinking about toronto too i mean the raptors force opponent turnovers at the highest clip in the league so <laughs> all right kd we need you to bring the ball up okay kd we need you to make plays okay kd we need you to drop 50 it's almost like what we're watching lebron james do to an extent right I never thought I'd make this equivalent uh, analogy between the Lakers and the Nets, but and KD is a good passer. He's not as gifted as a passer as LeBron James. But now you're asking KD, like, you have to make Bruce Brown better. Like, Seth Curry, his ankles hurt. How will that plan out into things? Goran Dragic, he's, he's on the court. He doesn't look like the old Goran Dragic that I've known him to be with the Miami Heat. Like, Nick Claxton, he's more of a just a reactionary player. Like, and I don't care how well you there. pass it. I think KD has become an excellent passer, actually, over time. He's not LeBron because it's not what he does naturally. Last night, but... he literally he has to exert so much more energy because yes. he's passing and then has to go get it back. Yeah, but what I mean is I don't care how well you pass, shoot, everything. One dude ain't going to beat five dudes if, if the five dudes can all play. Well, one dude beat five dudes against the Knicks. I said Nick. the five dudes can all play. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let me, ask you, let me ask you this as these uh, – Parrots continue to go back and forward. Um, Katie, how, how does Katie feel about the on and off again nature of playing with alongside Kyrie? How does he feel? He, I think it's, he's frustrated with the situation like everybody else. But I will say this about Kevin, and I asked him about it again in Orlando the other night. Nobody has stood up for Kyrie Irving more publicly than Kevin Durant has. At every turn, every chance he could have said, ah, you know, I I can't believe Kyrie just won't get the shot and won't make it easier on all of us because we're counting on him. Kevin has stood up for his friend time and time again. He says, that is not my decision to make somebody do something that they're not comfortable with. So, Key, while certainly there are a lot of people in the Nets organization who are sitting there going, oh, Kyrie, you are awesome. We want you to get this shot. We want to stand behind you. I think we all agree that the way the mandate is uh, is written currently and implied, it is ridiculous that guys can come in from the road and play if they're not vaccinated, but guys in the home market uh, still can't do it. But Kevin specifically has done everything he can to support Kyrie. And I promise that even listening to Kyrie, he, he knows it. And he appreciates it, and that's where the friendship stands. Nick, I try to tell people, everybody's like, well, I would be so angry. I'm like, okay, but you guys are not Kevin Durant. Exactly. KD, K- KD does not see it that way. It's more the situation. I, I do want to talk about a, a, a big-time game that occurred last night, the Boston Celtics, who have been on an absolute tear, by the way. Like, maybe the team to beat in the Eastern Conference with the way it's panning out. Probably the best team since when in the NBA? Last month and a half. Yeah. Last month yeah. and a half. Uh, beating the Warriors on the road. But there was a play that occurred where there was a loose ball, Nick, and 
Stephen Curry went for it, but bent down at the knees. Marcus Smart dove on it, got the loose ball. Steph rolled his ankle because his body collided. His ankle collided with Marcus Smart's body to a degree. And, and Steve Kerr said some things during the game to Marcus Smart. And there's this whole narrative today about, well, Marcus Smart making dirty plays, and was that a dirty play? Do you see that as a dirty play? I saw that as Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart, Jay. And if you've watched him dating back to college and in his years in the league, that's the way he plays. And I understand Steve Kerr. I mean, that's the franchise. You get Steph hurt. There's all that talk about, well, Draymond's the difference maker. To a point, but Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. <laughs> if he's hurt at all, that's a wrap for the Warriors. He's the most important player on the team. Yeah, and so Draymond is the sure. second most important player at, on the and, team. And they need each other to unlock each other's best. But Steph is Steph. Yeah. And so if he's hurt... It's over for the Warriors. But, Jay, in the moment, I didn't think it was dirty. You start watching those replays and you think, ah, you know, could he have, could he have not gone as hard right at, at Steph's leg? I, it's all interpretation. But I didn't see it as a dirty play as I was watching it in real but time. But, see, Nick, I don't – you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've heard Pat Riley say this to me. I've heard Greg Popovich. I've heard Coach K say it to me since I've been 16 years old. The difference sometimes between winning and losing games is, you know, if there's a loose ball, 50-50 ball, one player will bend down at the knees for the ball. Another player who makes winning plays dives on the floor for the ball. So my thing is, like, I'm, I, it didn't look like he looked up, surveyed where Steph's legs were, and then say, I'm going to dive inadvertently into his legs and the ball's over there. He dove on the ball, and Steph chose to bend at the knees for the ball. Steph had dove for the ball. Those two would have hit bodies, but there would have been no injury. So I – I see that as a sheer basketball well, that's hustle That's a hell play. of a point. That's a that's hell a of a point. That's a sheer basketball play. That's but why they won. I'm not saying that's Do you be... want Steph diving on the, bo- on the ground for loose balls? I mean. But it's interesting because you. Absolutely, I want him diving me, on the Me ball. too. Yes. I do too. But you always think, well, there, it increases the risk of injury. But the way Jay is framing it, in fact, the, the injury risk increased by him not diving. Exactly. On the, on the ground for the loose ball. And by the way, this is sort of like the most underreported story of the day so far. And we're early on in the day, but took the MRI. We don't know what what's the story's going to be yet. And as Nick just said, no Steph. It's it. It's a wrap. Yeah. Now, Nick, I know you, you know, big East Coast guy, Nick Nets guy, but you cover the NBA. What the hell he is wrong with the my Warriors Lakers, for man? a long time, man? I, I, I understand that. I'm saying he's dealing with the Nets right now, and he's a big NBA guy, and I want to ask him about my Lakers, Jay. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with us? Gee, I don't, I don't even want to talk about the Lakers anymore. I am so tired of talking about the Lakers. They stink. <laughs> LeBron's awesome, and, and he can still drop all, a ton of points whenever seemingly he wants, but they stink. They're not good enough this year, and the Russ thing, I, I thought it was going to work better than it has. It hadn't worked at all. The only reason we're still talking about the Lakers is because there is always so much interest in drama. And the Lakers, aside from the Nets in the last two months, they were league leaders in drama. The Nets have taken them over because of just sheer craziness on a lot of fronts. But they're not – the Lakers just are not good. And the difference between the Lakers and where the Nets are is you can see it with the Nets if Kyrie comes back whether Simmons plays or not, if Kyrie and Kevin are together, they can win the whole thing. They, yep. they can do it. And the Lakers, I mean, if that team, if they got it, See, and you, now, now no you're laughing, man. Now you're <laughs> laughing. It's over, man. Wait, Let's get to Nick, the summer. I, I do, how does this make you look at Russell Westbrook? If we're talking about him next year, 
five years on five different NBA franchises. Russ is going to the Hall of Fame. And, Jay, I've always appreciated how hard he yes. plays because you can see it up close. Russ cares at a level, even the way he's been performing this year, that not a lot of guys in the league do night to night. Now, having said that, maybe he is just not the player that everybody always wanted him to be, especially mm. at this stage of his career. Uh, but Nick, I, I, he doesn't even look like he knows how to play basketball. He well, looked lost and, on the court and last Key, night. You know, you know what's sad about that is when I watched Russ all those years in Oklahoma City, this is a guy who exuded confidence on the floor. And we started to see the decline in the last couple of years, but especially – in L.A., I think it means so much to him and meant so much to him to get there. And now he's playing like this, and it's like he is just a shell of himself. And you guys can speak to this better than anyone because as, as pro athletes, when you don't have that confidence and you don't have that aura the same way you've had throughout your career, you can't play at that same high level. And, Key, when you watch him, I honestly, I, I just feel a little bad for him now because I think all the bad stuff – and all the criticism has is definitely nope. affected. Key, you yeah. know what I heard Why last night? Why you think night I'm on in TV e and radio? On the ESPN <laughs> Plus, they had a, a 3D thing up last night of the game. It was it was incredible. Every time he had a ball screen, they would go under. You heard Minnesota Timberwolves players yelling, "He's with us. He with us." Like think about that. Like what that does to your you know, psyche. Like. They disrespect you by going under ball screens. Like, yeah, right. And I'm Take not even it. talking about, like, a shot. foot outside from the three-point line. I'm talking about, like, within the three-point line. Yeah, because they know if you're – Mid-range shots, if you're he's, like, go under. If you're he's, like, oh if he's shooting, they know they're winning. Uh, you know, it, what it reminds me of, Joe DiMaggio. You know when he finally retired? He found a scouting report on him, on him in 1951. Read the scouting report and thought, uh-oh, I got to retire. Like, you know, scouting reports just tell you what it is. He needs help. He can't play center field anymore. Da 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 da. It's like, uh oh, time to go. The thing about Westbrook is, would the scouting report be any different? It, like Stan Van Gundy said, this is the way he's always played. The rates are the same. Eyeball test not the same. Confidence level, I agree, doesn't look the same. But is it just the changing circumstance that has exposed him, or is it him actually slipping with age? I need to believe it's age. I cannot believe this has always been Russell Westbrook. He but, does not look like he knows how to play basketball. Yes. Thanks, Nick Friedel. Best pipes in the business. Tony Bennett of uh, Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
you can play along with us and download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app presented by WebEx to fill out your brackets. Today is your last day filling out men's brackets. It's free and easy. We are joined now. We just heard from Fox Sports Philadelphia. By the George Clooney of college basketball. The George Clooney of college basketball. That's what I call him. He's calling you a premature grayer, Jay, right? That's what he's saying. He's aging like fine wine. What are you talking about? Well, listen, me too. Silver Fox. Stop comparing everything to yourself. Well, okay. I happen to be handsome with white hair. Uh, Villanova head coach Jay Wright with us now. Good morning, coach. Good morning, guys. How are you? How you doing, Jay? Hey, how are you? Is is this Keyshawn? No. What's up, coach? That's Keyshawn. This is Jay Will. Will. That was Jay Jay Williams. (laughs) How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Great to talk to you, buddy. I, you so, tell them our stories about our teams in Brazil, our USA people <laughs> stories, buddy? Yes, we've been talking about how you had to reel us in and how you led us ultimately to what playing a, some of the best basketball of all time. Yes. We had to reel crew. you in? Uh, well, not me, but some other place. We had a hell of a crew, though, Coach. Sean, for another time, I coached a USA basketball team and a crew in Brazil. Unbelievable. <laughs> he, believe it or not, he, he was the same one of the crew that kept them together. Yes. I can see that. <laughs> Jay, Jay uh, let's get back to some of the tournament here before I stop uh, turning red in the face uh, about Brazil. <laughs> but I, I, I just how does it feel this year with things being normal again to a degree about preparation for the tournament, not being in any bubbles, playing these games with fans? How does that feel just to kick things off? Yeah, it is, it is really cool, and I think we're all really appreciating it. What's interesting, Jay, is, is um, you know, we, we've been in the tournament for a while here consecutively, so I, you, you assume that our guys are used to everything. There's a lot of distractions when you go into the tournament, things you got to get used to. And just talking to the team the other day, I, I just said, how many, how many guys have been in the tournament before when it's normal? You know, like we do these send-offs, you know, when you walk out of practice and all the fans are outside – we, we only have one class of guys because the last two years, it was canceled two years ago, and then last year was COVID, no fans. We didn't do any of the send-offs. We didn't do any of the media stuff. So you got a, a lot of guys that even even though they might be juniors, they've really never experienced the NSA tournament before. That that kind of kind of hit me the other day. Hey, Jay, how, how, does it, how does it feel with your team when you have a guy – who's been around the block multiple times, like Colin Gillespie, right? I mean, he's just his overall tinger. Just if you talk about, you yeah. know, we talk about sometimes Coach K used to always talk about guards that are an extension of the coach on the floor. It truly feels like that is you on the floor through him. Definitely, Jay. We, and we've had some great ones, as you know, you know, um, with, with, Kyle Lowry and Ryan Archidiacono and Jalen Brunson and Scotty Reynolds. I mean, we have had some great ones. Colin is is so unique because he, he has the extra year. You know, he's played a fifth year because of COVID. And also, he's just – he's a great leader like those guys, but he really thinks like a coach. I assume he's going to be a coach when he finishes. He says he's not, but he literally teaches these guys. I feel like he'll stop and explain a situation on ball screen coverage rather than just demand that they execute it properly. He'll stop and explain it to them, which that that's a level that, that we've never had before. And it, it, it literally is a coach on the floor. Coach, you know, coming out of the regular season, 
getting into the tournament now and getting ready for the first round, how hard is that? Uh, you know what's hard, Keyshawn, is coming out of the Big East tournament, the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden is such an incredible experience. You know, it's the garden, man, and and people are passionate about that. People have been coming there for 40 years. It is it is so big time. And then when you win it, you know, you're on the stage at Madison Square Garden, confetti's coming down, you know, Frank Sinatra's playing New York, New York. It's like you're on top of the world, and you got to get you got to get past that. And that's what we're trying to do right now because a first-round NCAA tournament game is great. It's awesome experience, but it's not like that. And you got to get your guys ready, whereas your opponent, you know, they've been sitting around for a while. They're all excited about this game. And that's always one of my concerns when we, when we win the tournament. And that's, that's really what I'm concerned about right now. The good thing is I think our guys have great respect for Delaware because we played them a couple years ago in a really tough game. And I think they know how good they are. But I'm, I want to get past the, the thrill of that, that game at Madison Square Garden. Jay, what, what do you think is the most intriguing aspect about your team's growth over the course of the season? I, I think that um, it, this, is, this is intriguing. Is Eric Dixon, uh, our, our young big guy, um, you know, he's young. He's, he's really he's starting for the first year. Um, he can be really dominant sometimes, and then sometimes he can be a young guy. You know, and and if if we're gonna, you know, if, if we're gonna have an inside game against Delaware, and if we're able to advance, and, and he's gonna be a factor, we need him to be consistent. But he's gotten really close, so now it's the point where it's it's he's not. It's not a definite that he's there, but he could do it in the tournament. If he does it in the tournament, it, it could it could really help us. Coach Jay Wright, Villanova head coach, with us now. Keyshawn J. Willemax, real quick, coach, before you go, what so what do you do to guard against the fact that you're such heavy favorites against Delaware? How do you prepare the team psychologically and emotionally for that? I, you know, I hope Max that. What we've done all year, we'll do that. Like all year, we we, we, we talk about next game, just next game. We, we'll we'll talk about the fact that the next game is the biggest game of the year because it's our next game. It doesn't matter who our opponent is. We're playing for each other. The other good thing about Delaware is, as I said earlier, we played them in the Meadowlands in, in the uh, Never Forget Classic two years ago. A lot of those guys are still on the team, and – we got in. We got into a shootout with them. I think we wound up winning by six or eight. But we were. It was a two-point game late in the second half. I'm pretty sure our guys remember that, and and I know they they respect these guys. We have one of our former players who transferred there on their team. Was a really good player, Dylan Painter. I'm hoping the combination of the way we approach games during the season, and our familiarity with that team, and that last game we played them. I hope that'll help us. That is Villanova's men's basketball coach, Jay Wright, two-time national champion, two-time Naismith College Coach of the Year. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. From one JW to another, JW. Go get him, man. Congrats. Good luck. Thanks, buddy. All right, buddy. Good talking to you guys. Take care. Likewise, one quarterback who might be getting a second chance in the NFL. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, the podcast. 
Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you, mystery. Play along with us. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app presented by WebEx to fill out your brackets. Today is your last day to fill out your men's bracket. It is free and easy. By the way, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80 on your smart speakers. Say, play ESPN. We pop right up. Download the podcast. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, I said on this just in on Monday. No, we were playing a game. Who should the week? Who should the quarterback be for this team? For this team? For this team? For Seattle Seahawks? I said Colin Kaepernick. You should at least give him a look and a chance to win the job. I think that town is progressive enough to handle it. I think it's an outrage. He hasn't even been given a look by anyone. And uh, Pete Carroll commented on the idea of Kaepernick getting. A second chance. Here's what the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks had to say. You're going to ask questions about Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I, I know you're going to ask. So let me just put it out there. He he, he contacted me the other day. Said, "Hey, I'd like I'd like to get a shot. You know, I'm I'm working out." And so he sent me some videos. The next thing I know, he's working out with 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 Tyler Lockett. I don't know how that happened, but he's does that guy deserve a second shot? <laughs> I, I think he does. Somewhere I don't know if it's here. I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's even in football. I don't know. But it's just people get a second opportunity at, at, at their lifetime opportunities, and they can make the most of it if they if they're ready for it. And all that. I don't know. I don't mean to send out any mixed messages about that. I don't know. How you, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, somewhere in life, know. he needs a second chance. But is it here? He I, said, I don't "Is know. it even in football? I don't know." But you have to make the know. most opportunity out of your opportunities. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pete Dan said it, trying not Oof. to get caught in that trap. You know, he listen. I, I think a lot of. People around the NFL are like, yeah, of course we should be looking at this guy, but are also worried about their jobs and causing a problem for management and all that stuff. I mean, pretty. See, I think that might, I think that might be over with now, though. If you really think so, Key, to me yeah. it seems conspiratorial that not a single NFL team will even give him a try. No, I think. I what think do you have to o- lose? I think, I think that's over with now. Meaning, like last year, year before, year before that, year before that, year before that. It was taboo, don't touch it, get away from it, stay away from it. Now the world has changed in the last 24 months completely, right? So I think it. it I, I think they're going to look at it different now. I don't know that he'll get a shot. So let me ask. So, okay, if that's the case, 
what does it take to to take a, a couple hours in a day and bring a guy in for a look? You can't do that at any but, point. But nobody said that they wasn't, right, Max? Think no, about, but, listen, no, listen, listen to me, though. Yet. But I want you to open your ears. You know how you tell your kids, open your ears? <laughs> Time to listen. I think of jerky boys when I hear that, but that's another so, thing. Yeah, anyway. Not that you're a kid or anything, but I don't know how he worked out with Tyler Lockett. I don't know. He just showed up with Tyler Lockett one day. So, hey, Tyler, how did he throw it? How did he spin it? Is it worth us taking a look at? You think so? Okay. Mm. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a, no, I hear you. They're doing it. They're just doing it in a different way than what we probably would envision them doing it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do see exactly what you're saying. But why would they even have to do it that way? Has the world changed but not well, enough? You, no, you, because you, you want to stick yeah. your toe in the water, Jay. Yeah. And see how warm exactly. it is before you die. And my thing, you know what you're you saying know, makes but, sense. But, but Max, you know, and as soon as word is sniffed out that the Seahawks are working out Colin Kaepernick, that it becomes the biggest story in sports. Yeah, and so you don't want some distraction. Yeah, why? Why have that? Well, you want to the- deal with it delicately into such due time that you just go ahead and dive all the way in. One of the arguments I made for why Kaepernick would make some sense in Seattle is it does come with a lot of. Uh, uh, attention, and in fact, the Seahawks probably aren't going to be great this year, right? They're not going to be very good, but they could still be relevant and build out their team waiting for their franchise quarterback, which who they're going to draft or trade for or whatever, while they stay relevant. And I don't know, like, as much as, well, Man, I don't a, know he's they, polarizing. I don't, I, but yeah, but see, polarizing means half the people feel strongly, strong but, like, good about him, you know? I don't know that they're not going to be relevant and competitive and fight for the division. I don't really? know that. I just don't know who their quarterback going to be. You think the rest they still of the roster is good enough? Lock, they still got Lockett. They Metcalf. still got DK. They still got a strong running game. Mm-hmm. They still got a solid defense, not a great one, but a solid defense that they're trying to retool and bring in a whole bunch of – top-notch younger talent on that side of the ball. So I'm not ready to just say they're finishing last in the NFC West. Okay, let's say they get let's say they get Baker Mayfield. Okay, here's a possible landing spot for him. Like, you know, starting quarterback. Are they better than if San Francisco keeps Jimmy G? Are they better than them? I don't think so. Are they better than the Rams again? I don't think so. Are they better than Arizona? You know, Arizona might fold down the stretch, but they're going to be like 9-3 and three by the time that happens, right? Like, I don't think so, Key. They look like the last place team to me. I don't know that. Man, I, I can't. It's too early to tell. It's, it's just too early to tell because, again, San Francisco wasn't San Francisco in the middle of the year as they were at the end of the year and into the playoffs. San Francisco's a different type of football team. You know, it, it, we were questioning Shanahan's coaching ability. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. So you were making it, a good argument. Hold on, you made you almost had me believing that um that uh, who was it is better than Shanahan. You made the case and he, you Matt Nagy. Yeah, Matt Nagy. He almost talked me into Matt yeah, Nagy. Yeah, he didn't talk me so, into so, that. So 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 you see what I'm saying? We yeah. don't know because Shanahan looked like a dude that that was a just ugh. no. And then all of a sudden he in the NFC Championship game. So we don't know what Seattle can be. With the without Kaepernick, with the without Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, you name it, we don't know. Key, if you're a guy like Pete Carroll, you're the oldest coach in the NFL, 
your legacy to a degree is already cemented, right? Would you guys agree on that? Would you agree? Um, I don't know that his legacy is cemented yet because he's still coaching. And he hadn't won enough Super Bowls to, for me to say that. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but what if he wins another one? Well, th- that's right. Well, that's Especially without uh, – let's put it this way. The thing well, like, that Pete Carroll has to show I don't is that he can point. be great without Russell Wilson, right? <laughs> We're not, I'm not getting you off your point. You said is his, is his, his legacy is cemented. Well, he's said, a, I don't know. Well, my thing is uh, how many people can realistically say they're a Super Bowl champion? Not a lot. So I'm saying, yeah, he could win another one. It could Double be Double-digit wins every but, year. Okay. Okay, it's cemented in my opinion to a degree yeah. already. Bringing on a guy like Cap towards the end of your career, what kind of tone does that set for what kind of legacy you want to leave an important imprinted one. on the NFL? An important like, one. So I if think. you're thinking like, hey, if I'm coming towards the closure of my career to some form or, or degree, like, what do I want my legacy to be? And that could be a, a huge factor in it, especially if the guy can still rip it. Yep. Where's your heart? That's the question. Exactly. Yep. What, Pete Carroll's always giving people second chances, hey, whether it's in saying. college or Seattle. That's what I'm that's saying. That's why Pete. this is the second time that his – I don't want to say they've revisited because they haven't officially as a team revisited the Kaepernick situation, but unofficially they have by sending Tyler Lockett to do the scouting. Mm. I, I, oh, just think, of the, okay? in, think of the injustice mm. that it's a second <laughs> chance. What did he do to, like, to need a second chance? He was still good enough to play in the league when he left. He's been unfairly – Drummed out of the league, second chance. One person may be changing a sport that they don't even play. We got that coming up. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast.